This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast, How Science Works, full colon, Reading Science, Reading Research, and Reading Theories. So, let's get into it. Just a bunch of theory, you say. What often happens under the guise of reading science is that one study, or one article, or one report is used to prove things or to justify a policy program or practice. And this is not how science works, science of reading people. No single study should be the final word on anything. That would be a naive understanding of research in the social sciences. Instead, each research study creates a data dot, and each data dot becomes part of a dot-to-dot picture, which is a theory. This is why theories are important. Now, a theory in science is different from an untested assumption. That would be a hypothesis. A theory is a way to explain a set of facts. Theories are used to understand phenomena. A theory is like a dot-to-dot picture connecting a series of research-based data dots. Theories are made up of many research-based data dots, and different theories explain different data dots differently. Robust theories connect many data dots. Weak theories connect only a few data dots. Robust theories account for a lot of facts. Weak theories leave out important facts or have them unaccounted for. Now, there are different theories of reading, all of which are made up of data dot research facts. Theories help us understand the process of reading and make good decisions about reading instruction. Using research-based theory to design programs and make decisions is appropriate. However, there's no such thing as correct theories and incorrect theories. As stated earlier, there are robust theories and weak theories. And when theories are no longer useful in explaining a fact, a set of facts and understanding phenomena, they are replaced by other theories. Now, there are three views of reading. Let's start with the simple view of reading. This is a theory. Now, the science of reading is based on a weak theory called the simple view of reading. It's a weak theory because it doesn't account for a lot of data. This is sometimes called a bottom-up theory or the phonological processing model. They're similar. Here, reading is seen primarily as sounding out words. You sound out the words and then listen to the sentences being played in your head. And the problem with this is it doesn't account for a lot of research-based data related to eye movement, miscue analysis, priming studies, and brain imaging, among other things. It's a weak theory. The simple view of reading, upon which the science of reading is built, provides a very 
simplistic and inaccurate view of reading and doesn't fully explain important phenomena or account for relevant facts. Five facts in particular are left unaccounted for by the simple view of reading. And again, the science of reading, Clown Club, is based on the simple view of reading. Fact number one, unaccounted for. Proficient readers do not look at fully one-third of the words on the page. This indicates that readers are using more than the words and letters on the page to create meaning. They're using all sorts of other information, word recognition systems, semantic systems, syntactic systems, uh, uh, schematic systems. Two, proficient readers often insert words that are semantically or syntactically correct. Again, this points to the fact that information besides what's on the page is being used to recognize words and construct meaning. The third idea, the ratio of corticothalamic nerve fibers to the thalamocortical fibers is 10 to 1. In other words, during the act of reading, brain imaging research has shown that almost 10 times more information is flowing from the cortex down than from the page to the thalamus and up. This again shows that what's in the head is being used along with text clues to create meaning. The fourth fact unaccounted for, the information from the cortex is used to direct the eyes during the act of reading. In other words, higher level processes drive or mediate lower level processes. And number five, and this is a fact misused and misstated by the science of reading clown club. Never have so many known so little about so much. They insist that proficient readers look at every letter. But proficient readers do not look at every letter. There's a variety of eye movement research that shows this. Not one study, but a whole bunch of it. When they, don't, when they read, they don't even fixate on every word. The brain is filling in the blanks to give you a sense that you're seeing every word and every letter. All right, the second theory is called the top-down theory. And I include this for a reason. Many of the clowns in the Science of Reading Clown Club keep misrepresenting balanced literacy as top-down. But a lack of knowledge doesn't seem to be getting in the way of their coming to a conclusion about things. The top-down theory states that during the act of reading, readers use primarily what's in their head to identify words and make sense of text. Information flows mostly down. Top-down teachers would want students to have a whole lot of knowledge about what they're reading and memorize a whole bunch of words. And I know of very few, if any, that would adhere to this theory today. There are many who inaccurately call whole language and balanced literacy and psycholinguistic models of reading top-down theories. This would be very, very wrong. Top-down theories of reading 
are not in alignment with the principles of balanced literacy. So, get rid of that one. The third theory is the interactive theory. The interactive theory of reading states that what is in the head interacts with what's on the page to create meaning. Letters, words, and sentences interact with what's in the student's head to create meaning. Louise Rosenblatt called this a transactional theory. And in any transaction, both parties give something to get something. So this theory states that reading is a transaction between the reader and the text. And this is in alignment with schema theory, and it supports the idea that we perceive the salient elements of reality and fill in the blanks with what's in our head. This is in alignment with constructivist learning theory, which states what we use what's in our head to construct a, our view of things and our understanding of things. This is also in alignment with the neurocognitive model of reading or the psycholinguistic model of reading. Now, these two models account for the unaccounted facts described earlier. These theoretical models define reading as the process of creating meaning with print. And during this meaning-making process, the brain uses interactive systems to recognize words on the page, interactive and interconnected systems, phonological systems, semantic systems, syntactic systems, schema systems, and pattern recognition systems. These are all interacting and interrelated, and they're used to recognize words. And recognizing words means that you see them and you automatically know what they are. And this is different from identifying words. And the Science of Reading Clown Club does not differentiate between recognizing words and identifying words. Identifying words is a strategy you consciously apply when you don't recognize a word. During the process of reading, our eyes fixate on approximately 60% of the words on the page. And of these fixated words, our eyes usually stop at only one or two letters. And since we can perceive only those things upon which our eyes fixate, it's clear that our brain fills in the blanks to create meaning during the reading process. It's clear as well that the eyes are directed by information in the cortex much more so than information on the page during the process of reading. Proficient readers use minimal letter clues to recognize words during reading. And as stated earlier, our brain uses interactive and interconnected systems, phonological, semantic, syntactic, schema, pattern recognition systems to fill in the blanks as we read, giving the impression that we are seeing every word and perceiving every letter. So, what isn't research? We talk about the science of reading and reading science. Oftentimes, data is collected under the guise of research. Data is collected, and then members of the clown club will happily exclaim that research supports whatever silly claim they wish to make. 
but anyone can collect data. Collecting data is not science. It's not research. It's not reading science. Collecting data. Science is not science unless or until it has been subjected to blind peer review and published in an academic journal. Now, when someone has conducted a research study, the process is this. They write it up and send it out for blind peer review. That means the reviewers don't know who wrote the study or did the study. Reviewers are experts in the field in, on which they are reviewing. They check for the theoretical context, the methodology. Did they get the results right, the analysis right, and are they making apt conclusions based on the data? And then they vote either to accept the study, ask for uh, 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 revisions, or reject the research article. So, here is what is not research. And this is often used to say research supports that. Collecting data is not research. Anyone can collect data. The for-profits are collecting data. And then they say for a research supports that. And research is not research unless and until it has been subjected to blind peer review and, and published in an academic journal. Citing a famous person is not research. Oftentimes when I challenge a statement and ask to see the research, someone says, well, read so-and-so, or they give me an article where a lot of things are cited. That's not research. If you think whole language has been debunked, show, send me a research study, a debunking study that compares whole language to something else. Think tanks and white papers are not research. They have not been subjected to blind peer review. And sadly, the, the fifth one, these have the most impact, but they are not research. America, American Public Media, Education Week, National Council on Quality Teachers Teaching, these are not research. Reporters, anyone puts this together, it's not research. And the last thing, one study is not the research. Often what happens under the guise of reading science is that one study or one article or one report is used to justify a policy program or practice. The clowns will flutter their white-gloved little fingers in the air and shout, the research says, but this isn't how science works. No single study should be the final word on anything. Now, research is like sighting in your deer hunting rifle. And before you freak out, I grew up in a rural Wisconsin area where deer hunting was part of the culture. And this is the best analogy. I'm sorry I'm using it. But every fall, we'd sight in our rifles. And this means, you know, over the winter, the scope could get bumped. So we need to adjust the scope to see if the bullet actually goes where the crosshairs indicate it will. Now, when you sight in your rifle, you don't take a single shot and say, ah, oh, there's where my rifle is shooting. You take a bunch of shots to get a general sense of where it's, uh, where it's shooting, a general pattern. And the more shots you take, the more confidence you have 
in your data, in your bullet shooting data. And you realize there's always going to be outliers. Your hand could have been shaking or you didn't pull the trigger just right. You can't look at a single research study and says, that's it. This proves it once and for all. That's a naive understanding of research. You need to look at a wide body of research, wide different types of research to get a general sense of things. One study is not the research. The research actually doesn't exist. Now, yes, phonics instruction is effective in helping children decode words. Everybody agrees with this. Everybody. But in these studies supporting phonics instruction, you have to look closely at the study to determine for what purpose, for who, how, when, and for how long. Yes, teaching phonics is going to lead to higher scores on phonics measures when compared to not teaching phonics. Absolutely, everyone knows that. No one disputes this. But does that phonics bump transfer to authentic reading experience? This does not mean that phonics is the problem for all things related to reading. This does not mean that phonics is the answer for all things related to reading. This does not mean that phonics should be taught in the same way to everybody all the time. But this is what the science of reading clown club is pushing. More phonics. Phonics is the problem and phonics therefore is the answer. But let's finish up with the National Reading Panel Report. They used the gold standards, as they say. They, they cited, when you actually read the report and look at their studies, that phonics has a limited impact. This is from the report. Phonics instruction failed to produce a significant impact on the reading performance of low achievers in second through sixth grade. But what do we do? We give struggling readers more phonics. Title I, this stuff. The impact of phonics on comprehension is limited. Phonics instruction contributed only weekly, if at all, in helping poor readers apply these skills to reading actual text. You do phonics instruction there, you read over here, there's no transfer or little transfer. The reading panel report says there were insufficient data to draw any conclusions about the effect of phonics instruction with normally developing readers above grade one. Normally developing readers above grade one. Phonics instruction fails to exert a statistically significant impact on poor readers in second through sixth grade. The majority of effect sizes for phonics instruction involved reading single words out of context. That's different from reading, reading single words. Systematic phonics instruction should be integrated with other reading instruction to create a, wait for it, wait for it, balanced reading program, unquote. Programs that focus too much on phonics with little time spent practicing reading are likely to be ineffective. This does not mean that we should not teach phonics. 
everyone agrees that phonics instruction should be taught, should be a part of every emergent and beginning reading program. It's not the what of phonics that is in dispute. It's the how and the how much. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson.